This podcast is brought to you by Kloss. If you're looking to get more out of your harvesting operation, there's no brighter solution than the all-new Lexion Combine. Hey folks, Machine Repeat here. Welcome to episode 30 of our Machine Repeat podcast. Thank you very much for joining us and giving us a little bit of your time. I think we have a show today that you're really going to enjoy. Definitely a piece of agricultural history. Uh, The good folks at Vermeer Corporation are celebrating the 50th anniversary of their introduction of of the large round baler back on January 6th, 1971. And I have, can have a conversation for you with Jason Andringa, the grandson of Gary Vermeer. And Jason is now the president and CEO of Vermeer Corporation. And we're joined by Mark Kaur, executive vice president, uh, for a fascinating discussion of the history of the Vermeer company and how the round baler came to be invented, a uh, large round baler in the early 70s, again, January 6th of 1971. Fascinating look at Vermeer's company and, of course, uh, their history. We'll talk about uh, the pandemic, how they were able to deal with that, and also how they responded and bounced back uh, so vibrantly from the uh, devastating 2018 tornado in Pella, Iowa. Uh, So we'll get to that conversation in just a minute. I do have to apologize for the length of time between our last episode and Basically, what happened was the month of December uh, 2020 was just maybe unlike any month I've seen, 31-plus years now covering um, the auction market. Just incredible what we saw. Uh, Pricing uh, skyrocketing on good condition used equipment across the board. Um, Quite frankly, I have not seen the used farm equipment market this hot since probably December of 2012 through March of 13. Um, as I've documented, that was sort of the all-time high for used equipment values. And so here we are almost eight years later, uh, eight years down the road, and it was just incredible. Of course, I don't think anyone foresaw the uh, run-up, strong run-up in commodity prices, very welcomed after such a long period of uh, low, lower pricing. But it just unleashed uh, what was already a strong used equipment market. And if you've been following along uh, on my blog at machinerepeat.com, just you can actually kind of get a breadcrumb trail day by day, blow by blow of what's been happening. Uh, just go to machinerepeat.com, click on Pete's Machinery Talk. That's the house where we uh, housing where we put my blog. Or if you're on Facebook or Twitter and follow Machine Repeat, you've probably seen the blogs there. Again, used pricing just skyrocketing and I think looking at 2021 we're going to be talking a lot more about this but there's an issue that's come to the fore now and it's basically availability uh, so if you look at the manufacturer level you know companies like Vermeer or you know any com- farm equipment manufacturer back when the pandemics uh, kind of set in on us uh, spring of 2020 uh, you know I think a lot of manufacturers naturally and, and rightly kind of pulled in the reins production-wise, uh, looking ahead, you know, projecting sales might be a little soft. I mean, it looked pretty, looked like a dire situation there. Um, so that pull-in of production now was is meeting with this unleashed torrent of buyer demand, both for new and used equipment. So I'm talking to some of our dealer friends, and they're indicating as they – work with their manufacturers and secure, you know, the number of four-wheel drive tractors or, you know, tillage units or grain carts or whatever, 
that they are not going to get as many as they could sell. Uh, so this has, of course, implications if you're going to be buying, selling, or trading equipment in 2021. And again, lots more to talk about there. But uh, let's get right into our, our feature today again. Very cool piece of ag history here. Vermeer Corporation celebrating the 50th anniversary of their introduction and invention of the first large round baler. So here's my conversation with Jason Andringa, President and CEO of Vermeer, and Mark Core, Executive Vice President. Still using bias tires? Switch your farm to premium radial farm tires from Firestone Ag for the upcoming growing season. Radial tires offer significant benefits over bias tires, from better traction and reduced soil compaction to longer tread wear and increased fuel efficiency. Just head to your local certified Firestone Ag Tire dealer to learn more about which radial product is best suited for your operation. From the new Maxi Traction and Performer Evo to the Destination Farm Radial Implement, Destination Turf, or Radial Deep Tread 23 Degree, Firestone Ag has the right radial farm tire for you. Visit FirestoneAg.com for more details. Hey folks, Machine Repeat here, and I'm so pleased to be joined today by Jason Andringa and Mark Core with Vermeer Corporation. Been looking forward to the conversation, guys. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Greg. Now, Jason, you're the third generation uh, president and CEO of Vermeer. Your grandfather, Gary, started the company back, was it, gosh, in the late 40s? 1948. My grandfather built a machine for his own use, and his neighbors saw it and said, hey, would you build one of those for me? And that was the start of the company. And what was that, the first product, Jason? The first product was a mechanical wagon hoist. And of course, affiliated with kind of uh, World War II and the end of World War II. And it was difficult to find labor for the farm. And my grandfather built a mechanical wagon hoist for his own personal use on his farm. And, uh, and that, that was Vermeer's first product. Wow. And Grandpa, that was right around Pella, right Pella Iowa? Is that where? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my, my grandfather's family farms are literally just across the road to the east of here and literally just across the road to the south of here. And of course, right where we're located as well. So, um, you know, my, my grandparents' home is right across the street. The home my grandfather grew up in is just across the street to the south. So, uh, yeah, it was literally right here that my grandfather uh, started the company and, and uh, you know, uh, developed those first products. Well, I know, and we'll talk more about the history of the products with Vermeer and your company known for your inno- continuous innovation, but we have a, a pretty big anniversary to talk about here, guys. Uh, early January 1971, uh, Jason, I'll tee you up, uh, 50 years ago, uh, tell us what Vermeer came out with, changed the industry. You bet. you bet. You know, we already talked about the fact that Vermeer itself was founded in 1948. So it was uh, 23 years after the the founding of Vermeer when my grandfather developed what still to this day is the most iconic invention of Gary Vermeer and the most iconic invention of Vermeer Corporation, and that's the big round hay baler. And uh, as the story goes, I heard my grandfather tell the story many times. He was walking with a friend. And that friend was going to get out of the cattle business because he was so tired of finding the labor to put hay up. 
And my grandfather said, you know, if you if you had a round bale of hay that you could leave in the field and therefore it would shed water until you needed to use it, would would that solve your problem and, uh, you know, cause you to stay in the cattle business? And uh, and the neighbor said, yes, the friend said, you know, that is what I would like would be to have a, a bale that I can leave in the field and that will shed water. And uh, so that that was the uh, the problem that my grandfather then solved with the invention of the round hay baler. So do you know, Jason, how long a process that was from that idea, the genesis of the idea until the first Vermeer round baler kind of was released? It was certainly very short by today's expectations of how long it often takes to go from idea to, you know, prototype. But my understanding is, you know, my grandfather got the idea in his head and, um, you know, had a few ideas, thoughts, and got together with some people at Vermeer who he knew, understood machinery well. And, you know, the company had been around for 23 years. So, you know, there, there, were, there was a team at Vermeer and, and, you know, people that my grandfather could count on. And uh, my grandfather, you know, the, the rumors are that they drew some of the original ideas with chalk on the floor. And then, you know, really just early on, you know, built a prototype and started working with it. And, you know, there, there are just some legendary stories from those early days where they were struggling to get the material to start uh, rolling in the baler. And the only way they could get it started was to use fence posts in the baler. And that, mm -hmm. that material would basically start wrapping around the fence post. And so in the early days of the baler, when they were testing it, you know, after the cattle would eat that bale, the fence post was still <laughs> sitting in the field. And, you know, obviously with time, and it didn't take very long for, for them to figure out how to get that bale started without a fence post. But that just tells you, you know, how dogged they were right from the beginning. You know, they couldn't get it to start rolling. And uh, so they, they threw a fence post in there and that, that started, that started to, to get it to roll on there. And, and, uh, so yeah, just some legendary stories of um, my grandfather having an idea, um, you know, several creative people that he knew well that had, you know, developed machines with before, and they, they just built something and started trying it. And, um, you know, pretty soon they, they had a product that, that they were convinced was going to be a successful product. Well, I tell you, all of agriculture owes a tremendous debt to your grandfather and, the, and his team at Vermeer there for taking an idea and making it reality. Now, Mark, we were visiting a little bit earlier, the scale of the first round baler. Uh, it's interesting given we, we sit here and we think now with a modern tractor and everything, and we kind of take our round balers for, for granted, but our tractors weren't very big back then, 50 years ago. Yeah. As I think about, um, you know, there's a lot of times that there are great ideas, but that the headwinds seem like they're too strong to, to, to finish. And so you think about when Gary was doing this, there there wasn't all the rest of the kind of infrastructure around managing round bales. There weren't bale trailers and there weren't bale spikes and there weren't loaders on 125 horsepower tractors and uh, where, it, where it just became convenient. So a lot of industries grew 
around, you know, bringing the round baler, you know, to the market. But the the first one, Gary's desire from what we read and what we hear in, in video clips was to, to have a 2000 pound bale. So it was a seven foot by six foot bale um, in, in that original prototype version. And then when it launched, it was the six foot by five foot, which um, 50 years later, six foot by five foot is generally the same exact specification for us and, and most all of our competitors for the larger baler, you know, in, in the marketplace. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting to your point, Greg, about the significance with that agriculture. One of the most special moments I've had was um, Jason's son actually spent a Saturday on our farm where we are, have a cow-calf operation. And, and we were sitting on five-gallon buckets having lunch, and he looked over at our traditional barn, and he said, why is your barn so tall? And it took me just a second, and then I realized that I was talking to the great-grandson of the person who brought the round baler to the marketplace, and I was about to tell him that before his great-grandfather did that, barns had to hold a lot, thousands of small square bales. And so that's why barns were built that way. And, uh, you know, it's hard for us to imagine in a life different than, than what we have today from a labor perspective. And I just think it's unique that we talk about labor in every aspect of, of agriculture and other industries, manufacturing, and that Gary and his neighbor were having that same tough labor discussion 50 years ago. That's it's 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 becoming a timeless challenge. Yeah, you know, Mark Mark talks about uh, you know my grandfather's invention and how that changed the need for barns. And still to this day, on my grandparents' farm across the street are three beautiful red barns. And uh, you know, it's just kind of ironic that you know some of the the few remaining you know beautiful red barns. My grandfather has three of them, and uh, you know, arguably, no one was more responsible for uh, you know eliminating the need for those mm-hmm. big hay hay mows in the top of barns than my grandfather. Well, it, it's it is just amazing. I know, guys. I've been tracking auctions for thirty one years, and I'll stand stand out at a sale and watch a round baler sell, and we just take for granted. But what an innovation that was. And like you say, in so many ways, changed all of agriculture. Uh, Jason, what was it about your grandpa and, and your family in general? Because you, Vermeer, you just continue to innovate. And we'll get into some of your continual push here in a moment. But what was it about your grandfather that made him who he was? Just, just a brilliant natural engineer, just a brilliant natural person who saw a problem and then could envision a mechanical way of solving that problem. Um, you know, there, there are some stories about my grandfather in, in high school when there weren't enough textbooks to go around. And uh, my grandfather said, well, you don't need to give me one because I'm, I'm not going to open it anyway. And so, you know, my, my grandfather was not somebody that, um, you know, worked tried particularly hard in school, but, but yet was obviously in retrospect, clearly a naturally brilliant person when it came to thinking about how to do things. And I, I had the very good fortune of being able to spend a lot of time with my grandfather. Um, he, he spent uh, much of the summer for years in Canada fishing and uh, I was up there with him a lot. And, uh, you know, it, I just, had experience after experience 
where that would be the normal thing his brain was doing was thinking about how to make some process easier, to make some process less manually intensive, um, to make something more efficient. Um, and, you know, he, he just could calculate all these things in his head and he could, he could envision all these things in his head. And, um, you know, I, I officially did major in engineering. And, you know, so I'm, I'm a more highly educated engineer, but never, never have I considered myself to be anywhere close to his realm, his natural ability to, uh, to develop machines and, and, uh, you know, come up with creative mechanical solutions that nobody had ever come up with before. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? The, that, that rarest of skill sets to not, to not find roadblocks, but to find solutions yep. through the problems that those yep. must've been some uh, awfully interesting uh, conversations in the fishing boat when you were a young, sure. young man. Yeah. Jason, uh, I, I can tell lots of stories. I mean, he just, he, and, and we, we would always stay at this camp and, and uh, you know, the, the camp owner would have these problems and my grandfather would have a solution. And the camp owner said, no, 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 it's not going to work. My grandfather said, no, it will work. And it, and it always did. <laughs> my, my grandfather was always right. Um, you know what my grandfather was convinced would work mechanically, it did. Now, uh, your grandpa, Gary, legend, of course, uh, he's been gone now. Is it just over 10 years, Jason? Yeah, almost 11. Um, okay. in, in February, it'll be 11. So, yeah, more than a decade. Hard to believe. And how old was, was Gary when he passed? 90. Passed in 2009. 90 years old. Okay. 90 years old. Now fill, fill in a little blank for us here, guys. So that period from 1948 when started the company, Vermeer, uh, until the round baler came out in 71, the products that Vermeer was making in that period, uh, what kind of, what was happening in that time? You bet. And, you know, to, to this day, there are a lot of people that assume that most of Vermeer's business is agriculture because of the fact that the round baler is our most iconic invention. But the fact of the matter is the majority of the Vermeer business is what we call the industrial side of the business. So the mechanical wagon hoist, which was Vermeer's first product, was almost immediately obsolete because of the use of hydraulic wagon hoist. But not long after that, my grandfather start, started uh, building PTO-driven tiling trenchers to drain low-lying farm fields. And honestly, about half our business, if not even more, can trace its heritage back to those tiling trenchers in the early 1950s. So the majority of the Vermeer business is um, the installation of underground infrastructure, fiber optic, uh, electric, water, sewer, um, natural gas pipelines and distributions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that was one of the early inventions. Um, but, you know, there were, there were other things as well. You know, there were um, uh, irrigation systems that Vermeer was into. There were um, uh, corn husking machines that, that Vermeer was into. Um, in, the er in the early days as well, in the late 1950s, a local area farmer brought the idea to Vermeer of something to take stumps out of a field. And uh, Vermeer built a prototype, and uh, the legendary story goes that they thought it would work best going forward and backward across the stump, and someone hit the wrong lever, and it swung side to side, and they realized it was five times better that way. 
And so literally to this day, about 30% of our business can trace its heritage back to the invention of the stump cutter. So, um, yeah. So, you know, um, in those years from 1948 to 1971, uh, Vermeer was, was building a variety of different products for agriculture. They were building uh, PTO-driven tiling trenchers and then self-propelled trenchers. They were building stump cutters. They were building tree spades, um, just a variety of different things from the founding of Vermeer until the most iconic invention in 1971. Well, that is fascinating. And again, I, it sounds like with the uh, tiling, uh, your grandfather and the team at Vermeer back in the day just were again ahead of the game, seeing what what was going to be needed yep. to grow, help grow our country. Honestly, I mean, my you bet. God, you bet. That, that's fascinating. No, you know, Greg, oh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Appear, you know, Gary, I think just really enjoyed the challenge of figuring something out that nobody else could. A lot of his farmland was essentially bottom ground that was yep. really, really difficult to manage. So to this point, Dave, if you would drive north of here a few miles to some of that farmland, there's dikes and there's pumps and there's tile. And I'm sure it was cleared at some point in time with stump cutters and brush chippers. But it just seems like that was the challenge, right, is is how to utilize resources that were not easy. Uh, It wasn't perfect, um, flat farm ground that never flooded. It was nice usable farm ground that needed to be innovated and managed. And I just think that was his DNA. That's like how he just operated. Oh, that's, that is amazing. Now, here's another thing that I've always been fascinated with about your company guys, the family owned aspect, because I mean, we live in an era when you mean business is business, but I mean, it's, it's exceedingly rare. I mean, you're going back to 1948, Jason, you're third generation. Um, bring us up to date on like Vermeer today, Vermeer Corporation today, how many employees, sites, um, just to give people an idea of your scale. Yeah, today uh, we have about 3,500 global team members. The vast majority of those would be based in Pella, Iowa, but uh, we have a variety of other locations and uh so yeah, the, the global workforce of Vermeer that are employed by Vermeer Corporation is uh, 3,500. And then, you know, we have uh, at least that many then in our dealerships that are, you know, on a daily basis, you know, representing Vermeer, selling Vermeer, supporting Vermeer, supplying parts to Vermeer equipment. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the footprint of Vermeer team members and um, still to this day, Vermeer is 100% family owned. So uh, the descendants of my grandfather and my grandfather's brother to this day still own 100% of the company. Well, I, now you correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but I would bet your customers across all your sectors you do business in, I bet they like and really appreciate the fact that Vermeer is 100% family owned right from day one. Am I, would I be correct in saying that? I, we definitely feel that for, you know, certainly some of our customers, they, they appreciate the longevity and the long-term focus that we have at Vermeer being, you know, family owned for more than 72 years now. Um, and, and um, you know, just, I, I often will say that I'm always thinking about the long-term for Vermeer. 
Um, if, if there's a difference between a decision that you would make that would only help out the short term, but would be detrimental in the long term, or there's a, an alternative that will be better in the long term, even though it might not be quite as good in the, in the short term, I will always choose the long term option. Wow. That is what our, our society, culture, and business sector needs more of, frankly, in my opinion, is long-term thinking like that. That's beautiful, Jason. Yep. Um, if I could shorten it up, the conversation into 2020 focus a little bit here. Now, this has been quite a year, obviously, with the pandemic. What has it been like for Vermeer, if you could walk us back to when it started to come down on us in March? And I mean, was it scary what that could be? Or, and how has the year played out for you guys uh, through it all? It, it certainly was scary for a period of time. And we, we actually, for a variety of different reasons, got off to a bit of a slow start anyway in our fiscal year. And then when COVID-19 became a global pandemic in kind of that early March timeframe, uh, we were concerned for what it was going to mean for us. And, um, you know, we, we tapered back a bit on our production levels um, for about six weeks, maybe. Um, you know, we, we were certainly always driven primarily by making sure we could keep our, um, our team members safe through COVID-19. So literally in, in one day, um, we asked everybody who was an office-based team member who could work remote to go ahead and, and do that. And uh, it, it was just frankly astonishing how quickly we were able to establish ourselves from an office perspective with the overwhelming majority of our team members, you know, working remote. And, you know, just like this Zoom call right here, um, you know, enabled by broadband telecommunications, which frankly is a, an incredibly important end market for Vermeer. Um, I have to say, I take personal pride this year in the, in the fact that broadband communications has been a big part of, of what I believe has allowed um, students to continue to learn through the pandemic, to allow uh, people to continue to work through the pandemic. And so, you know, that, that's what we did on the office side. And then we were immediately very concerned about whether we could keep our production team members safe. And, uh, you know, we implemented all of the recommended protocols um, and, and, you know, really we're on that from the beginning. And I'm very happy to say that, you know, we, we believe we have seen very, very little, if not essentially no transmittal of the disease at work. Wow. Our team members are certainly contracting that, you know, the disease outside of work, you know, in line with, with, um, you know, all the locations where we're located, but, um, we, we feel really good about the protocols that we have put in place to keep people, um, to prevent transmittal of the disease at work. So, you know, that, that goes back to when the pandemic kind of broke in that March, April timeframe, yep. but the markets that we serve uh, ended up still being robust throughout the year. And, uh, you know, the, the forage part of our business, the, the part of the business that we're really focused on now um, stayed strong throughout the part of our business that installs underground infrastructure, particularly fiber optic, um, was strong before the pandemic, never slowed down at all, and as is as strong as ever now. Um, you know, people spent less money on vacations and sporting events and concerts 
and they invested it on their landscaping and on tree care and, and that type of thing. And so that part of our business held up well. So, you know, in, in all honesty, by the time it was all said and done, um, we, we ended up uh, having even just a little bit better year this year than we did last year. And uh, in, in March and April, we would have never thought that was possible, but just really finished the second half of our fiscal year really strong. And, and you know, we just feel very fortunate that we serve and markets that have continued to be robust through this pandemic and, and appear to can continue to look robust into the future. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, just curious, guys, as we look, because I'm hearing that, that initial response back in March and April, the, you know, just to be conservative, which, which was just prudent business. But I'm starting to sense across the farm equipment industry now that we might actually be running uh, maybe into a little of an availability issue for new equipment in some cases. Is that something into 2021 that, or how is Vermeer positioned to meet that, that strong demand that you talked about to close out the year? And that is a challenge. And, you know, in, in March and April, we would have, we, we weren't really thinking about that challenge, but, you know, as, as the year has gone on, um, being able to produce equipment to meet the demand that is out there has been a challenge. And, you know, we, we are having to work uh, very diligently with our suppliers to make sure that, um, you know, we, we aren't, we aren't held up by our suppliers, which, you know, we have been to a certain extent, yeah. But, but frankly, also just managing through, um, you know, team members that either have, you know, have COVID themselves or have had close personal contact with somebody who ended up with COVID. Um, you know, th those factors and the continuation of robust demand out there have been a challenge to meet demand. But, you know, in, in general, I think, I think we're doing about as well as could be hoped, um, all things considered. So for 2021, your outlook would be pretty bullish coming off of the strong results ending 20. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, I would say that would be accurate. And uh, I, I would say that on, on both sides of the business, both the industrial side of the business and also the forward side of the business. Well, it, it sort of jives with what, I, what I've been tracking in the used market daily. Uh, definitely an uptick with used values and buyer demand across hay and forage and, and construction categories that we cover. So it's interesting to get your guys Feedback there. Now, um, just to close one little loop here, of course, a lot of people remember, guys, uh, with Vermeer, uh, the, the, the terrible tornado, which I think was that uh, summer of 18. Is that when that was? Correct. And that was that was right in Pella, was it not? Right at your headquarters? Correct. Yeah, we took a direct hit from an EF3 tornado, which at the time was the most powerful tornado we had had in Iowa for for three years wow. and we took it, we took a direct hit from it. And, okay. um, you know, it's, it's called the Vermiracle or the, or the miracle on the mile that, that we did not have any long-term serious physical injuries and no fatalities. And, uh, you know, anybody that would have seen the damage would have never imagined that we could have avoided, um, fatalities and serious physical injuries. Um, and so, you know, that, that was the, the number one greatest initial blessing is when that very first night, after several hours, after several hours of, you know, um, the first responders, you know, searching through the rubble, basically, um, you know, we, we felt confident several hours after the event that, that we had had no fatalities, no serious injuries. 
um, you know, then then the recovery began at that point. And um, we lost um, about 400,000 square feet of space. And, um, you know, just went into some of, in retrospect, the, the greatest days in the history of this company as we figured out how to free up space and squeeze lines into different areas and move things and, and you know, ask um, engineering prototype teams to work offsite. You know, so those those first few days, weeks, and months after the tornado are will probably always be the days I am most proud of at Vermeer. And um, you know, not long after that, you know, we we determined what needed to be completely demolished, and we started um, developing plans for how to rebuild. And uh, the first announcement we made for the rebuild is that we were going to build a dedicated engineering building where we were going to build engineering prototypes in one building. And we brought all those teams that had been kicked off site back on site into that building. Um, the first building that I personally saw that was completely destroyed uh, was our eco center, which uh, was was just a pile of rubble after the tornado. Uh, we built a new eco center, and then just this month, in December of 2020, we have started moving into what we call new Plant Seven, which is attached to the legacy part of Plant Seven. And that by itself is a 500,000 square foot facility, world-class manufacturing facility. And we have now moved three lines into that building. We, we will, within a few months, have 10 lines of equipment on the industrial side of our business in that building. And when we've moved those 10 lines into that building, that will allow us to spread everyone else back out appropriately across the Vermeer mile. And um, so... I, I'm just incredibly proud of Vermeer and the Vermeer team that, um, you know, just a little over two years after, you know, the, the most significant challenging day in our history, we have completed the rebuild. And, uh, and you know, I, on, the, on the night of the tornado, I said that we weren't going to just rebuild. We were going to come back better and stronger than ever before. And that's exactly what we've done. Wow. Talk about commitment. That is beautiful. Jason, I'm sure the community, uh, surrounding communities, to hear you come out and say that, and then not just say it, but do it. Yeah, that's off. That's uh, that's commitment. That's in in, a, in an interesting way. Your engineering DNA of your company back to your grandfather probably uniquely uh, positioned you guys to deal with this unique challenge. I would think. Yeah. And, you know, another aspect of our history is uh, continuous improvement is a big part of our heritage. Mm-hmm. And um, so because of all the all the work we've done with lean and continuous improvement in our production facilities, um, you know, a lot of our um, a lot of our assembly pieces, stations within our plants are on wheels so that they can be moved easily. And uh you know, frankly, that that is what allowed us after the tornado to go into those facilities that were completely destroyed and uh, and easily move all the lines, all the different assembly stations, all the different tool boards from from the destroyed plants, uh, which the roofs were gone. Um, you know, they the you know these these areas were just literally open to the elements. Um, but you know, we were able to go in there and pull all that stuff out and, and set it up in new spaces. And, you know, it, it is because of our heritage of, of, um, you know, 
finding a better way to do things, continuous improvement, um, you know, a can-do attitude, um, you know, all of those things. We, we called it Vermeer Strong. You know, one of our team members that first night, um, you know, put a graphic together and called it Vermeer Strong. And that, that's exactly what it was. It was just this, um, this drive to recover and come back better and stronger than ever before. And it, and it started... It started for me the moment we knew we had not lost anybody, you know, as a fatality or as a serious injury. It started right then, this just overwhelming drive to recover and come back stronger than ever before. No, oh, that's amazing. You know, Greg, as I, you know, as I've listened to Jason reflect on that, I think another really neat aspect, and, and your audience would, I think, appreciate and be intrigued by this. Um, pretty much every major competitor reached out to me in the first 24 hours of how they could they help and send pe- they were ready to send people from Kloss in Omaha or our friends at Agco. In fact, Kinsey, uh, Kinsey had people on site here for quite a while. They're structural kind of maintenance facilities people, and uh, they're not a direct competitor, but just, and I know we had on, on the construction side of our business as well, but it just so reflective of, of the spirit of not only um, Iowa companies that are that are not in our space that we're willing to help, um, but uh, it was really cool for me um, to to immediately hear from people that we competed with, um, you know, every day that whatever uh, they could do to help us through that, um, that was a, that was a pretty uh, surreal experience. Yeah, that, uh, just that to was... just to add on to what Mark said, I mean, you know, literally the moment I came out of the tornado shelter that I was in, I already saw um, first responders arriving. And, you know, the 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 support, the immediate support by um, first responders, the immediate support by the city of Pella, the immediate support by other local companies. And then to Mark's point, literally within within a day, um, you know, ev- even all of our competitors in, in general um, had come out and just said, hey, you know, this goes beyond this goes beyond, you know, our daily competition. What, what can we do to help? And it was just, it was just really, really cool. Yeah, that's, we see stories across farm country folks, uh, you know, at the individual farmer level when uh, needs come up with, uh, you know, health issues, farmers chipping in. And that is heartwarming to hear that uh, in this day and age, I mean, we need more good news like that. Yeah. Coming out of a tough situation. And I remember uh, seeing the pictures on Twitter the afternoon and evening of the, of the tornado and, yeah, I couldn't believe that you guys were all safe. And am I re- remembering it right, guys? That was there a dealer meeting? Yeah, on, at the facility at the time, also. Yeah, we actually had uh, hundreds of guests on site to celebrate our 70th anniversary on that exact day. And uh, and yeah, you know, if it, if anyone is interested in it, uh, a year after the tornado, we released a 35 minute documentary. And if you just search for it on YouTube, it's called the the story of Ramir Strong. And uh, you know, I, I like to say that a, a picture is worth a thousand words. And if, if you saw the pictures of the damage afterward, you would say, yeah, I mean, I just, I can't believe it. And, you know, a video is worth 10,000 words, um, you know, just to, to see the type of damage that we suffered and, and uh, you know, that just incredible first year of recovery. Well, uh, yeah, check that out, folks. Uh, but, uh, powerful stuff there. Now, on the, in the spirit of uh, moving forward, um, Vermeer, you guys just continue to innovate. Of course, 
tons of interest in your self-propelled baler, which came out a couple years ago. Was that 2017, guys? Yep, we uh, we launched that yep. in 2017. Uh, Mark Mark and I were both there on the day that we you know we launched that publicly. And man, what what a gratifying and fun day that was. Um, you know, Mark Mark and I had been vol- involved in in uh, you know the development of that product from the beginning. You know, an internal very smart, creative uh, person who came up with that idea. I mean. Just literally the you know the the current modern day Vermeer version of my my grandfather Gary Vermeer just you know someone who's always thinking about ways to make things better and uh, you know came up with this terrific idea you know honestly Mark Mark and I were enthusiastic about it from the beginning and uh, you know it took a while to of course develop it and test it but um, you know when we launched it publicly um, the interest in it was just off the charts and um, you know we've we've been um, producing them commercially now for several years. You know, we've, we've done a really good job of rolling it out at a rate that we can support and our dealers can support. But, um, you know, the, the machines just bring uh, productivity to a whole nother level. Uh, the, the ability to, you know, save time at the end of every row and, um, you know, just unique ways of, uh, of, you know, unloading a bale and starting the new bale and, um, it's, it's just, I've, I've had a chance to run it myself. I mean, Mark, Mark for sure has run it more than I have, but, um, you know, I've bailed do- dozens of bales with it myself. And, and as part of this 50th celebration, I'm going to, I'm going to bail, um, a, a bunch more. Um, and man, just for, for an, a complete novice, um, to jump in the machine, you just can't believe how, how quick you can be proficient at it. You guys have some great videos right on your website, yeah. Vermeer. It's Vermeer.com, correct? Yep, yep, Vermeer.com. Of yeah, I think, I think we had like a, a million action. views. I think we had like a million views within 24 hours um, when we launched that. Gloss products are an engineered mix of efficiency, precision, convenience, and reliability, all in the same package. But they aren't for everyone. They're for those who know the numbers that drive their operation and are interested in making them even better. They're for those with a plan. If you plan to get more out of your farming operation, take a closer look at Kloss for brighter solutions and better business results. Contact your Kloss dealer today. Well, a huge thanks to Jason Andringa and Mark Kaur from Vermeer for that fascinating conversation uh, on the company history uh, of innovation going back to founder of Gary Vermeer in 1948 in Pella, Iowa, Jason's grandfather. Amazing company. And, of course, the 50th anniversary, January 6th of 2021, of their release of the first large round baler. <clears throat> Again, listening <clears throat> to the customer, listening to what farmers want and need, uh, and then developing the product all the way through to their release of their ZR5 uh, self-propelled baler. Uh, amazing machine that came out, I believe, in 2017, I think. And, again, uh, just a... Amazing company, and really, to me, I think what we need to focus on here early in 2021, I mean, we have a lot going on in our country and in the world and a lot of challenges, and challenges here in America for sure, but look at a company like Vermeer, you know, going back to 1948, one guy with an idea rolled up his sleeves and then a, a company that's continued to innovate. Now they have 3,400 plus employees around the world, 60 countries, again, built on innovation right on through up to their self-propelled round baler 
<clears throat> the ZR5. So not resting on their laurels, but pushing ahead, figuring out a way to keep manufacturing through the pandemic, keep their employees safe, continuing to make the products that, you know, uh, in, in, in one of their segments that they deal with, uh, the, the farm sector around the world, continuing to make cutting-edge products to help farmers be better and more efficient. So hats off to Jason, Mark, and the whole team there at Vermeer, and congratulations on uh, the 50th anniversary of their introduction of the round baler and how that changed agriculture forever. So, folks, uh, again, thank you for joining us here on Episode 30 of the Machine Repeat Podcast. Uh, again, stay tuned to MachineRepeat.com for the latest uh, updates on the, on the farm equipment market. And, again, thank you for your time, and I hope to see you out again soon.